Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So today's the big game, and looking forward to watching it this evening. I have to tell you that anytime I try to watch a game that's recorded, big game. I typically only record the big ones if for some reason I can't see it live. If I do that, inevitably, always, every time, I find out the score. I can never record a game and then watch it later without knowing who wins. Every time, it's given away. So, a few years ago, I wanted to watch a Saints game. Big game. A friend of mine invited him over, a friend of mine invited me over to his house, but we both had a church event. And so he said, I'll record it. We won't look at our phones. We'll tell everybody at the event we don't want to know the score. And then we'll watch it at my house. Great. That'll work. Looking forward to it. So we come to the church event. We announce to everyone. Nobody tells us anything. It's great. Turn my phone off so I can't get a notification. Drive to his home, I'm walking up the sidewalk, and I'm thinking, this is going to be enjoyable, I haven't spent time with him lately, looking forward to watching this game, big Saints fan. His wife meets me at the door, and she said, oh, I'm so glad you're going to get to watch the game with him. Don't tell him the Saints won. (laughs) So, I go into his den, once again, I know, I always know. And as the game unfolded, Drew Brees and the Saints were losing the entire game. And so I got to sit there and watch him being tortured. Because it looks like they don't stand a chance. So he's filled with angst. He's nervous. He's wringing his hands. He keeps walking around the room in circles. At one point he said, I was cursing the Saints and that I needed to leave the room and go home because I was the problem. Well, I I didn't leave. He was so upset. He kept talking about, we're losers, we're failures, this season is in the dumps because of one game. It was a playoff game. And then guess what happened? In the end, the Saints win. Now, I'll be honest, I wish that I had not known the score. It would have been more enjoyable for me to watch the game unfold and not know that Drew Brees was going to lead the Saints back down to victory. But as I was thinking about this passage this morning, and as I was thinking about resurrection, I kept thinking about that night and the Christian faith. That because of the resurrection that we see in Mark chapter 12, It's like we're watching a game unfold and we know we won. We know that we have victory. We know what the final score is. And the world is full of angst. The world is full of anxiety and stress. The world is upside down because it doesn't have resurrection life. But, 
And I'm thankful that God worked it out that the team's name was the saints. Because I can say, for the saints of God, we have the hope that Jesus is talking about this morning in this passage. Let's pray. God, you are on your throne and you rule over all of creation and this is your word and it is true. And we pray that you would apply it to our hearts and to our souls so that when we leave this place, we look more like our older brother Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So there's a little bit of a different sermon in how I'm shaping this. There are, there are really seven points. Okay? Now, I see anxiety breaking out over your faces because you think you're going to be here all day. They are very short points. But I want to hit every single one of them because I think it will help you come to a better understanding of what's going on in Mark chapter 12. First of all, who are the Sadducees? You've heard the word Sadducees your entire life. In order to understand Mark 12, you need to know that the Sadducees are the upper class of Israel. They are the wealthy upper class. And they, like the Pharisees, a group that they don't get along with, participate in what is called the Sanhedrin. That is the political and spiritual leadership of the nation of Israel. The Sadducees, again, upper class, wealthy, high priest, chief priest of Israel, and other leaders. They have an issue with Jesus just like the Pharisees have an issue with Jesus. And so they have come and they are questioning Him. They are, in, they are trying to trap Him. We talked about this last week. They're trying to trap Him. They're wanting to bring an end to His ministry. Second point. Jesus is answering their question about marriage. The questions that the Sadducees pose to him. And as you read chapter 12 and you think about the illustration they give regarding marriage, you may be asking yourself, this is a bit odd, is it not? That a brother would marry his sister-in-law and then another brother and then another brother very briefly. Let me explain to you. What may seem unusual to us in 2022 makes sense in light of the Old Testament in the nation of Israel. God has designed laws to protect the most vulnerable. Women and children in the ancient Middle East society. There is no welfare. There is no social security. For example, personally, my father died when I was one. Social security for my mother, who had no parents and no siblings, was instrumental in helping us. That did not exist in the nation of Israel. God has written laws to make sure that women and children are protected and taken care of as unusual as it is to American citizens in this day and age. Number three. Notice this in verse 27. Jesus speaking to the Sadducees. You don't know what? Scripture. The religious leaders of His day. How, what an indictment. 
You don't know Scripture. Now remember, according to the Word of God, in a way in which we can understand through the work of the Holy Spirit, who is here today? Jesus. So through the text of Mark chapter 12, this Gospel, He is asking you the same question. Do you know Scripture? Are you guided by it? Do you immerse your mind and soul in His Word? We talked about this last week. Do you know my words? That's what Jesus is asking. And I will tell you, I know many of you are probably not on social media. media. Many of you are. One of the things that is interesting to me about social media, it's almost a sociological experiment, that you see Christians on social media. And they make comments and they post articles. And do you know what my response is? 80, 90% of the time, do you know Scripture? Because it sure doesn't seem like you do. Doesn't seem like you do. Because agendas are put far ahead of the kingdom of God. And often those agendas are just, you can, you can just dig into it and you begin to question, is your heart saturated with the wisdom that is the word of God? Jesus is asking that question this morning. Do you know the scriptures? And then in verse 22, he also says something that's fantastic. The power of God. We are not left wanting. We are not forgotten. Do you realize that Jesus is saying to you this morning that because you belong to Him, that you have through the Holy Spirit the power of God to affect change in your life? Now look, I'm preaching to myself on this. Because so often as a believer, I just go through the motions. And I forget that the power of God exists to help me, not only as your pastor, but as a husband, and as a father, and as a brother, and as a friend that it is available to me to affect change in my life, the power of God, and how often, sadly, does Hunter Brewer forget the truth of that? Jesus is saying to us in verse 24, the power of God belongs to you. We come to Him in prayer, and we ask Him to empower us to live for Christ, for Him to change us, to die to sin, to give Him the glory, to obey Him, the power of God. Number five, Jesus talks about resurrection. And when we talk about resurrection, when we dwell on resurrection life, we have to think theologically. And as those who are as Presbyterians that are Reformed and confessional, we think in the language of the new heavens and the new earth. And I'll never forget going to seminary and my first class was a Christian Foundations. It was taught by Dr. Richard Pratt. And I just was under the assumption that when I died, that I would just go to heaven and that's where I would dwell forever. 
And I probably thought on some level that I would become an angel. And I'm in my first semester of seminary. And I take this class and he begins to talk about the coming of the kingdom and the inauguration of the kingdom and the kingdom coming in all its fullness and that there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth and that heaven is a bus stop. Hear that. Heaven is a bus stop. It's where we go until we get where we're going. That when the kingdom comes in all its fullness, we will dwell in a recreated earth. So heaven is the means by which we arrive in the new earth that's going to be reclaimed and restored and renewed by King Jesus. And there we will be forever serving God and praising God, worshiping Him in perfect shalom. And when I use the word shalom, I'm using it to explain what total and utter and complete peace looks like in all of life. And that is what will transpire in the new earth. That is where we are headed. That is where we are going in our glorified bodies. Sin wiped away, erased, removed. Everything changed. And as we've seen through the Gospel of Mark, as we've looked at Jesus, when He does incredible things, He's giving us a tiny glimpse of what the world will be like when it's renewed and reclaimed and restored. So heaven is a bus stop. Resurrection life brings us to heaven and ultimately to the new earth. And then sixth, this is in God's providence. I did not plan this. In your bulletin, every Lord's Day, we have a section, a theological section. Great, y'all are pulling it out. You're just on fire. That's wonderful. And it's Lord's Day 33 from the Heidelberg Catechism. A Heidelberg Catechism was a confession that was written during the Protestant Reformation that helps explain what those who were Reformed believe. And so we have been going, I've not going through it, we have I have been putting the Heidelberg Catechism in your bulletin since we began worship a year ago almost today. Because I want you to sit down before worship and I want you to read it and learn. What does it mean to be reformed? What do we believe? Because I believe in this day and age that Christians are uninformed for the most part. I want us to know what we believe. And when we are done with the Heidelberg Catechism, we'll move on to the Westminster Catechism. I want you to learn. Well, in the bulletin today, it's Lord's Day 33. The Heidelberg Catechism is divided into Lord's Days. And here's the question. Thank you, Lord, for this arriving on this day for this sermon. Question. What is the rising to life of the new self? Answer wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. And so when I think about that question and this answer that revolves around resurrection life, I immediately think of 1 Corinthians 4.10 where Paul says we are fools for the sake of Christ. If you believe in the resurrection, you are a fool for Christ's sake. Okay, so often I will use the New Living Translation, which is, a, it's a, it's an easy to read translation of the Bible. And I want to share with you what the NLT says. 1 Corinthians 
our dedication to Christ, which also involves the resurrection, makes us look like fools. Isn't that great? The words of the Apostle Paul, recognizing and understanding to the world, believing that this Nazarene carpenter has walked out of this tomb and that it's empty, is foolishness. And Paul says, I will be a fool for Christ. Sign me up. A fool for Christ. Because I believe that He has been resurrected from the dead and I believe that it changes everything. And this is what Jesus is saying to the Sadducees in chapter 12. You don't have the power of God. You don't know Scripture. You don't believe in the resurrection. But I am going to rise I am going to leave that tomb and when my foot steps onto the soil of that garden, the whole universe will be turned upside down. That's what the resurrection does. And so the sixth point is that we are joyful fools. Look at the answer, the Heidelberg Catechism, the answer to the question, wholehearted joy. What does resurrection life mean? Wholehearted joy. You bet it does. You bet it does. Because we have hope. Because that tomb is empty. Because Jesus is risen. Because He is sitting on the throne of grace, ruling over all of creation. We have hope. And we, amongst all people, have joy. Because sin has been conquered, misery has been conquered, death has been conquered, and the new heavens and the new earth await us. And so the weights and the chains that drag us down have been torn away in Christ. And so we should not mope around. We should not be angry and frustrated. We should not be upset. We should not be dour. We should not be depressed. We should be. Full of joy. Because we belong to Jesus. The source of all perfect joy. And then lastly, we are delightful fools. We are delightful fools. We love and delight, look at the question, we love and delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. We understand who Jesus is. We understand what He has done for us. We grasp the ramifications of the cross. We are His servants. We belong to the King. We have been rescued. We have been redeemed. We have joy and we exist to live for Him. To live for Him. And so we have this table set before us today. This is a banquet table. This is a table of celebration. We come to this table and Jesus is here. And we take the bread and we take the wine and it reminds us of His body given for us. It reminds us of His blood spilt for us. It reminds us that in Jesus we have been resurrected. And so this is an appetizer. It's a resurrection appetizer, if you will. We take the bread, 
we take the wine and we know because He has been raised from the dead, we will approach an eternal table in the new heavens and the new earth and He will be seated there waiting for us as our older brother and we will dine with Him in perfection. And we will worship Him. And everything and everyone will be made right. So let this table be a comfort to you this morning. Let it be a reminder that Jesus has been raised from the dead and all that means for you as a follower of Christ.